Hey everyone, I'm Lewis Malley. Welcome to the podcast. This episode was originally recorded on one of my live streams. If you want to watch or listen to more of my content, please follow me on the various social media channels. Please leave a review, subscribe, and I hope you enjoy it. How did you develop into leadership? Because, you know, it's a lot of, a lot of people that are trans, that, you know, like they want to transition into leadership. Uh, they want to create, go up the career ladder. But a lot of the time early on, you know, you do well at school, down to you. You know, you enter, you go to university again, it's down to you to study. Um, if you've done team sports, you start to get some, maybe some early leadership experiences. And then you start work. And again, early on in your career, it's again, it's your personal performance. And when, when suddenly when you get thrust into, you know, a leadership role, then me- mentally it takes people a bit of time to, to shift from I to we. You know, did you, did you, yeah. did you experience that transition? Yeah, no, what? absolutely. I did. And par- partly um, y- you're absolutely right. Most people end up becoming, you know, in quotes, leaders or at least um, leading people, teams um, th- as a function of their individual contributions and a function of um, what they've done um, as in in their roles prior to becoming a leader. So then you become a leader and you're given responsibilities in a team, but no one necessarily gives you the, the, the handbook, the blueprint to say, here you go, here's how you be a successful leader. So a lot of it's trial and error. Yeah. And for me, um, I, I remember a mentor, and this is probably key, is, is are the mentors along the way that have helped me move into these roles. A mentor said to me that, um, um, we have to move away from a culture of heroes. And, and what he meant by that was prior to that as individuals, I felt as though I was con- impacting the organization through my ability to sell work, deliver that work, and, and, and really just grow the business in that way. And what he said was, as you transition to a leader, your role is not your individual contribution, but your ability to um, help others um, achieve what you've been able to achieve. So you equip them, you remove obstacles, you um, coach them, you sponsor them. And so that, that tr- I, I've had to learn that, right? That, at that pivot, when I moved from an individual contributor to a leader, and then since, since being in, in formal leadership roles, I'm constantly um, aware of other role models around me that I see doing things really effectively. You have to be attuned to that. Um, and yes. I, I worked with some amazing people um, to be able to to be able to emulate them in certain ways. Yeah, no, I think that's great because so many people, you know, I mean, they don't like to admit it within the organization, but they really struggle with that, that that transition piece. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you know, I think for, for those watching and listening, you know, I think everyone goes through that. Yeah. Um, you know, it's okay to feel like that. And a really interesting piece of advice is, you know, treat your career like a business. You know, you're mm. the CEO of your business. Yeah. And don't wait for your company to provide the learning opportunities. You know, take ownership of your career and go get mentors, go learn, go listen to stuff, go watch stuff and, you know, acquire the tools that you need to, you know, to go through that journey. Yeah. No, you're, you're, I, I remember another mentor saying exactly what you just said. You are the CEO of your own career, and um, it does it does mean there there 
uh, it's incumbent upon you to seek out opportunities to build networks. I mean, that's another thing that I've, yeah. I've, um, I, I've learned over the years. And, and I've, I've, I don't know if you're aware of Myers-Briggs yeah. uh, profile um, testing. And, and I, I'm an ENTJ, but I'm a borderline extrovert. Borderline. Right. So I, I could easily slip into introvert. So there are some occasions I derive my energy from other people and others I need downtime. Yeah. But I've, so I've had to develop um, networking skills. And, and so as I've done that over the years, it starts from a place of curiosity. So if I'm curious about somebody, it makes it, it, it actually becomes very natural. So when yeah. we were talking and, and uh, prior, you know, prior to this formal conversation, yeah. I, yeah, I, I was curious about your background um, and you were sharing with me just your, your parents and, and uh, the immigrant experience and um, being, you know, I think you said your family being, um, uh, is it your grandfather that um, owned the only newspaper, Jewish newspaper in Cairo, yeah. right? Yes. That was yeah. really interesting. And I've since actually retold that to somebody else <laughs> um, because I, I just found that really interesting. So I, I think if we um, start from a place of curiosity, networking doesn't become this alien, scary thing. It just becomes a way of learning and being interested. Yeah. And so many, so many great stories, you know, so many, we've got so many things that we share you know, on the face of it, you know, might look at you and I and people in their minds might think, oh, quite different, you know, different race, yeah. age. Okay. I mean, you know, but actually our stories aren't too dissimilar. Right. You know, if, if you get in, if you get into right. it, um, obviously they're personal to us, but it's, I think it's really, it's really fascinating. But, um, it, but it is about making those connections, right? It's also when you, when you engage with somebody, um, it's human nature to look for areas of commonality I think right so we and we're striving to make a connection and when you make a connection that's real and substantive you you just feel you feel really good about that you feel like that's that that's you've connected with somebody on a human level not a superficial level but a real a deeper level it's amazing and also I was a, a young guy asked me the other day like, how do I I mentored uh, this young guy and he said you know how do I get more opportunities and so it was, either it's business or job opportunities, I can't think of a better way than building a really good network, you know, a community of people. Um, and to build a community, you need to spend time with people, you need to be mm. kind, um, help people, you know, do things for others. You know, and if you, you know, if you look at your you know, career over a long period of time, I mean, you know, we're going to be working for a long time and focus on just building a good community of people. It's it's gonna you know really benefit you in the long term. So it's a yeah. really good way. Yeah, and I think it has it has to be grounded in authenticity. It has to be grounded in that you're not just doing it to get something out of it. You're doing it because you're you're authentic as an individual and you're seeking to build a relationship and you're curious. Um, I I tell you I can spot a mile off somebody that's inauthentic and it and it just it really rubs me up the wrong way yeah 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 the other interesting thing is a lot a lot of people again have said oh it's really difficult now because i'm not going into the office you know i'm not meeting people on the water cooler um but i think for me and i would love to hear your thoughts on mm. this but i think now it's, it's such an amazing opportunity to network even more than you did before i mean yeah. linkedin for example is free to use it's probably the modern day cocktail party 
and everyone you're probably likely to work with now and in the future work with as a client they're all on there mm. and 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 a, and a lot of people are most people love to chat mm. you know they're all at home um they want to engage and have conversations mm. and i think even if you're a real introvert you probably have to dial up a little bit less courage or your extrovertness than you mm. would do if you were in a bar or in a networking mm. event in person yeah yeah there uh, there are pros and cons right there are there are ways in which we've been able to connect with people in a virtual environment that we we would never have been able to connect to before just because of whether it be by travel or because we've been able to convene virtual forums more easily um, involving people from all kinds of uh, walks of life and and i think through those for for some of us we've created relationships and we haven't even met them i know one of the projects i worked on for 18 months there are individuals i had worked with over teams and webex that i have never met in person and i may never meet in person and yet we we got to know one another through that time um but then but there is something also to be said about the the human connection as well it was interesting coming out of the pandemic um and meeting some people that i'd been working with on zoom for for the prior 12 months or so and then meeting them in person there was something very very different about that experience that there was a level of connection that um i i think is it can't be you you can't surpass that with right. with um other forms of communication and connection so i i think it's i but i we, we have to evolve and adapt and and i don't think it's a it's an or i think it's an and yeah um, both the virtual world and the the real world yes um being how, able to create connections that's very true how is i'm really how is your leadership style if at all changed over the last 18 months yeah you've got people virtual some coming in. I mean, and, and, and interesting, you know, how, how, how you might think that the future might look. I, I, I think it's, um, I, I think you have to be a lot more intentional about connecting with people as a leader. So you think about the, the, the uh, more, the pre-pandemic world, when you're traveling and you're meeting people, there are countless opportunities for serendipitous interactions with people that are that work in your organization right you're walking a hall and you connect with somebody randomly form a relationship or progress an issue or or there's a follow-up that comes out of that conversation that that serendipitous set of interactions that there are less of those in the virtual world so yeah. unless as a leader you're purposefully connecting with people um on a one-on-one -on -one basis it's really it's really difficult to 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 emulate that prior pre pre-pandemic uh serendipitous world so i think that's certainly yeah. one um i think the the other thing is um you you as a leader can you also have to manage your own energy yeah so what what do i mean by that it's it can be fatiguing going from um, you know, 7 a.m. through to the evenings every day um, on, on these kinds of calls. And what has happened, I think, um, our work days ha have become elongated during this virtual environment. Yeah. 
And so unless you put up boundaries to that, um, it can quickly suck a lot of energy and time and then cause you to be a less effective leader. So I think that's another piece to it is, is being able to manage that. Um, and I, I think the, I guess the third piece as a leader as well, it's recognizing that some of these Zoom calls for some people, um, just as, as my energy is being depleted, um, their energy could be. And, and they also may, may be more of an introvert. So how do you engage them in a broader group? Um, and so using things like breakouts can be helpful, right? Yeah. Using the chat feature um, to engage them in, in that, uh, in a conversation could be helpful for some of those people. Yeah. Asking them, are they comfortable having their camera on? Or is it actually better for them, you know, to turn, turn their camera off? Um, and so, you know, as a leader trying to meet people where they're at, I think is another, another um, technique that, that I've tried to employ as well. Then that, that's really good because there's a lot of a lot of people over the pandemic and there's a lot of stories of burnout st- still is um, people in different scenarios you know people working in their bedrooms and parents looking after their kids when the schools mm-hmm. were shut well, what, what did what did you do over the pandemic to make people feel that they could be open with yeah. what, what their scenario was yeah I I would say um, I mean it evolved for one it evolved as we went along because we learned. Um, how how best to manage through those times. We've done things like, um, for some of our businesses said, on Fridays, let's try and limit the number of internal meetings. Let's try and come off camera when there are meetings and and have some some opportunity just to recharge, right? So that's that was one thing. We've done things like, uh, and many organizers have done this, have done things like virtual happy hours at, you know, at yeah. the end of the day to connect. Um, and and create a more of a social environment. Um, we've also um, tried to be, I think, a little bit more focused around, you know, who needs to be at, at that meeting, who who doesn't. So we're not com- continually bombarding people with with meeting requests. I think another technique has said, look, block time. For some, you know, there's real simple things when you're working across different time zones. Um, you can one can be less cognizant of things like lunch times, right? So yeah. to block your lunch time, which is what I do, and I'll open it up when I need to, but I try to block it just so I can have a meal <laughs> during yeah. the day, yeah. right? Yeah, and, yeah. And so there, there are just things like that where it comes back to um, the things that we've talked about. Um, being authentic, seeking to understand where somebody else is in their situation and, and being empathetic to it. That's, a, I guess, another word that we haven't used, but it's about yes. being empathetic leaders. Yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah. just a few it's thoughts. So true. Uh, no, it's true. I, I've, I've heard a lot of people putting a mm-hmm. fake commute in their diary at yeah. the beginning of the day, because if you're, if you're working at home, a lot of people, you roll out of bed, you come into your right. office or wherever you work and as you, as you said, the days get elongated and you can forget to move, you know, it's just yeah. it's good to move in the morning. And yeah. then I, I, I personally, I put my exercise in my diary, like, like it's the most important meeting of the yeah. day. You know, like if I had a meeting with you, I wouldn't move it. I'm not moving yeah. my, uh, I'm not moving my, my gym session yeah. either. Yeah. And, and I just feel so much better when I'm yeah. doing those things. Yeah. I, I think that's important. And I, 
I've tried to do that as well, particularly around exercise. I mean, that's like I go through ups and downs. I'm sure, like many people, sometimes I'm going through a really good streak of getting my <laughs> runs in and 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 workouts, and then others, I you know, they they go by a little bit by the wayside. But no, I'm I'm 100% with you. We've got we've got to draw boundaries. Employers, as they seek to create more inclusive environments, also have to help employees and colleagues set boundaries as well and create the environment where individuals can do that. Yes. The one thing I'm, I'm going to be honest, the one thing I'm working on, which I haven't been able to do, is leave my phone outside my bedroom in the evening because I, I get sucked in. I'm looking at my emails. I'm, you know, working internationally and get email. So that's for me. That's the thing I'm working on, which I think will have a good impact on better sleep. For me. You got, you got to do it. I do. I've been doing it for years. It's never in my room. Yeah, it's never, never. Put, I, at the end of the day, I plug in my phone outside of my room, and I, I use the, the, the bed as a sanctuary to try to just switch off and decompress. Um, right, I think I'm, it's I'm gonna, so, so important. I need to take your lead on that. I'm going to take your lead on that. <laughs> last, last thing before we go, I'm, I'm really interested yeah. to, to get your thoughts on maybe a few trends that you think are going to materialize over the next, you know, couple of years and how maybe like this, this whole work from home, hybrid working, you know, how that might end up evolving. Yeah. That's, I mean, I've never been much of a futurist when it comes to that. And I, I've got a, um, a colleague uh, and a friend who uh, we will have sometimes these conversations about the future and predictions. And I would say nine times out of 10, it's usually the opposite of what he says. So it's a really good guide to actually figure out what's really gonna happen is ask him. Um, so um, so my, my view is, um, I, look, I, I, don't, I think the, the workplace is going to evolve where yes, there'll be, there'll be a hybrid um, type environment, but I think what the what the ways in which we work today, um, in in the knowledge worker environment, is that we've realised that there is so much inefficiency when you move to when you commute from where you are right now. So I'm in my home, and if I were to commute into work in the Willis Tower in Chicago, I'd I'd pack my bag. I'd walk to the train, I'd get onto the train, go to Chicago, get off the train, and then walk to the Willis Tower, open up my laptop and do exactly what I could have done an hour prior. <laughs> so that just makes no sense. So, so as we think about just the role of, of the workplace, to me, it's, it's going to evolve around um, why do we come into the workplace? It's to collaborate. It's to develop people and train them. It's to um, create... Um, meet or develop meetings with clients and interact with clients. It's um, so there are, there are specific reasons why we've come into the workplace and, and versus having the default be coming to the workplace. Now, I, I think it's critical that for teams to function, that there have to be interactions when teams come together. Yeah. But, it, but I don't think it will be the default where people are going to do what I just described around my commute into, into Chicago. I do think we have to be careful though, um, particularly for individuals starting out in their career. So, so, you know, my son is in college in, in three years time, he'll enter the workplace. And, um, right now he's doing some work outside of college right now. And he's working with a lot of people he's never met before. 
for. So maybe he's going to adapt to that environment. But I do still think when you when you first join an organization and you want to meet other individuals and you want to, to be part of a culture, um, in-person interaction has to be part of the equation. It may not yes. be the default, but it has to be part of that equation. Yeah, completely agree. Uh, and I agree that, you know, it's not going to be the same as it was. I think that's that's almost for certain. I, I mean, I'm in London in EC3 right now. Uh, it's a Thursday and I mean, there's almost no one on the streets. You know, the buildings are pretty much empty. Um, amazingly, everything's going on virtually still, right? I mean, the economy is roaring along and, right. you know, I know America, loads of new jobs being created. But if you walk the streets right now and you'd go to the Lloyds building and you'd have a look at, you'd think, you know, what's going on. Yeah. So it's going to be really, really interesting. I, I, a lot of businesses I speak to, they're landing on some hybrid kind of model, you know, a few days a week or you're in with your team you work from home depending on the kind of job function that you do yeah um but it's yeah it's going to be really interesting to see how it, it evolves it is i think i think people um during this time have have built a lot of resilience around just their their own their own whatever situations they've been in whether it be young kids or being uh, on their own during this time it's been hard for many people and I think there's a sense of resilience that has been built. Um, yeah. I also think there's a sense of um, change and adaptability. I, I think you're seeing people um, willing to to move into different jobs, for example. Um, you're you're seeing that across certainly the United States. We call it the Great Resignation, where you've yeah. seen individuals that, that uh, move from one company to another. I think there's almost this 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 um, ability to to change and adapt more easily because of what we've gone through and a level of resilience to be able to weather through storms so maybe that's some of the positives but um yeah. but i think we've noticed a little bit of that yeah no because they say you know once you've once when you go through a, a shared experience you know this has been a i mean the world has gone through yeah. this experience together but you always i've, I've found from my team we've got closer together you know, we've been going through and helping each other mm. through this, you know, this tough moment. And I think we've got a lot closer and together through it. We've all been in our houses. You've seen people's fridges, their bedrooms, you know, wherever right. people might choose to be. And it's been a real, yeah, it's been a really interesting experience. Yeah. Yeah. It's time always is the ability to to look back and allow us to reflect. So it'll be we should have this conversation in five years time and uh, um, <laughs> see where we're at at this point. Definitely. Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening. Please don't forget to leave a review and subscribe in all the usual places.